If you have your Bible, turn with me to Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3. And I want to speak to you about the goodness of God in the darkness of times. Heavenly Father, just ask that you would guide the words that I speak this morning. I pray, Father, that you would put me aside and flow through me to speak to your people that are here and that are watching online. Because, God, you laid this message on my heart just as we were in our time of worship. That even though we may not see what is going on, that you are still there and you are good. And that if we just put our faith, our hope, and our confidence in you, that you will never disappoint that you will see that we will have the victory that you've promised. Because, Lord, I believe this, that we are your children, and I believe that you love your family. And I believe that you are watching over us, even when it seems like it's dark. So, Lord, speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Lamentations is a book written by Jeremiah. They to him sometimes as the weeping prophet he was very hurt he had a lot of trials and he had a lot of discouragement and he's witnessing the destruction of his city and, and it's more than just about a city it's about a place where God's presence was it was about the temple that was there that everyone came three times a year to go worship at the temple because behind the curtain behind the veil was the presence of God and they knew that if they got to the temple, if they were in his presence, around his presence, that God would bless them and care for them. And, and, and it, was, it was such an amazing thing to, to have a place designated as God's home here on earth. And he's watching it being destroyed. He's watching his city fall. He's, he's going through hardship. And Lamentations 3 says this, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. Think about that for a second, that sometimes we feel like we are at the end of God's wrath, a rod just beating us, just beating us, just, God, I don't understand, I don't understand why, you know, I used to, I used to get mad at God when, when I, would, I first started ministry, you know, because there was this, there was this friend of mine that, in college, and, and this guy was just a jerk, this guy was just, you know, couldn't stand to be with him. Maybe I was a little at fault too. But this guy was worse than me, you know. And, and, and all of a sudden he graduates. He becomes this famous evangelist. And he's going all over the world. And here I am stuck in this small little town. I don't even know what soybeans look like. They had to go show me in the field. I mean, it was just, I was disappointed. I had one prayer. I said, Lord, do not send me anywhere that doesn't have a McDonald's. Because if there's no McDonald's, then even McDonald's realized that's not a town. And uh, end up going to a town that, uh, <laughs> that had no McDonald's. Uh, moved to Minnesota, land of a thousand lakes, had no lake. Had nothing. I mean, it was horrible. And I, I remember just being so mad and saying, God, you take that guy and you, you just do so many great things and here I am. I just felt alone. I felt abandoned. It seemed like everything I tried would just run into a wall and sometimes I felt like I was at the end of the wrath 
of the rod of the Lord's wrath. But you know, that's our feelings. It's not true. It's our feelings. You know, just like a good parent, you know, always when they get ready to spank their child, they say, child, this is supposed to hurt you more than it does me. Oh, wait, wait, no. It, this is supposed to hurt, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Why? Because it hurts disciplining your children. It hurts, but it's necessary for their good. And so sometimes we feel like God is hurting us. We're under his wrath. It seems like I never have any luck in life. I never have any favor in life. But these are feelings. This is Jeremiah's feelings. I am a man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. Verse 2, he has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. When do you get to that point where you start to question, God, why, why am I even doing this? What's the point? God, why? It seems like I just, I feel like you're never there. I feel like it's always dark. I feel like you're, it's always alone. I feel, I feel abandoned. I feel scared. Sometimes we feel that way because of things that happen in our life, circumstances that change in a moment. One day you're having a good day. The next day it seems like all hell is against you. And it seems like God has turned his hand against you again and again all day long. But we know this, that in Psalm 5, verse 3, it says, David said, In the morning, Lord, I hear your voice. You hear my voice. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. In the morning, I hear you hear my voice. I lay down my request and I, I expect that you're going to hear me. I expect that you're going to move on my behalf. You see, you cannot let discouragement or feelings or, or the moments that you are in determine your expectation in God. So many times we allow our environment to affect our faith. I was just watching a video and it showed how people always like to follow along. And there's this young lady that's getting ready to go into the doctor's office and, and she's not aware of what's going on. It was like, kind of like one of those hidden camera you know, scenarios. And so she goes in the waiting room and there's probably about 10 people there or so. And she sits down. And as they're sitting there waiting, there is a beep over the intercom, beep. And all the other people that are waiting stand up and then sit down. Beep, stand up, sit down. She's looking around like, what is going on? You know, what, why are they doing this? And beep, and then all of a sudden, beep, she stands up and she sits down. Beep, they, she stands up and she sits down, just regular, just, and she became part of the group. And then all of a sudden, everyone else gets called and she's by herself. And guess what she does? Beep, stands up and sits down. And then another guy comes in and he's not a part of this. He sits down and he checks in and he sits down in the waiting room. Beep, she stands up, sits down. He looks at her and is like, what's going on? All of a sudden, he starts standing up. And then more people come in, and they start standing up. And everyone follows. Everyone follows along because we're so, we, we like to be led. We like to be, to be people who know for certainty what's going on. She had no idea, but she did it. Why? Because everyone else was doing it. And sometimes we, we think that because everyone else is experiencing the blessings of God, that God isn't with me. 
Everyone else is experiencing moments of prayers answered. So, so why, God, aren't you with me? And we start to feel like Jeremiah. And we start to say that we're walking in darkness rather than light. He's turned his hand against me. Because you're with every other person. You're with every other family, with every other parent, with every other child, with every other church, with every other job. You're with them everywhere else except for me right here in this place. But we cannot let ourselves get discouraged because of our environment. Our environment affects our faith if we let it. Our environment, our situation, just like that young girl who who started to stand up and down, she was affected because of everybody else. But when you have faith, it cannot be affected by the environment in which you live. Your faith must live outside of your moment. And I think that's so many times my problem, our problem, is we choose to live in the moment instead of live in faith. What is faith? Faith is simply simply this. Hebrews tells us that now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It is simply being confident in what you put your hope in. And if you put your hope in your job or your own health or your own ability or your own skill sets, you will find disappointment. Because there is always someone who's better, someone who's healthier, someone who's got more money, someone who's got better status, someone who's a better preacher, someone who's a better singer, whatever it is, you will always be disappointed. But when you put your hope in God, you will never find disappointment. And it is about being confident in what you hope for if you hope in God you better hold on because it may not look like it's going to happen but it will you must have confidence in what you hope for I have a lot of hopes and dreams in the Lord most of them have not come to pass yet you say Pete why in the world will you continue to believe these great things when it seems like nothing is happening because I am confident in God it's important to be confident It's important to be confident. People who are confident, who walk with their head up. So many times my kids would be discouraged or they would feel down because something happened at school or some disappointment happened. And the first thing I would tell them, get your head up. Lift your head up. Walk with confidence. You're an Ortega. Put your head up. Maybe that's the reason why they got their head down. I don't know. But put your head up because you are better than what you feel. You're better than this moment you got to have confidence. you got to walk in confidence. Why do I walk with so much confidence? Because I believe in a God who has never failed. Listen to me. I believe in a God who has never failed. And everything he said, every promise he made is going to come to pass. That's why I'm confident. Even this morning, as I was getting ready for church, I said, Lord, I remember what you told me in this room. I remember what you spoke. And I began to praise him because my confidence will not be affected by my environment. My faith will not be affected by my environment. But I will choose to have faith in God. And guess what? It begins to change your environment. Your faith has the ability to change people's attitudes around you. Your faith has the ability to give people hope and confidence that they can trust a God who is so good and so big and never failing. See, I believe faith is contagious. I do. Because everything else is contagious. I mean, isn't that the reason why we always walk around the hand sanitizer? You know, I don't want to catch anything. Everything's contagious, contagious, contagious. 
Discouragement is contagious. Bitterness is contagious. Hopelessness is contagious. Why not be someone who's contagious with faith and confidence? Listen, disappointment's going to happen. There's going to be days where it feels like we're walking in darkness and the rod of the Lord's wrath is hitting us every day. But I am confident in what he said that he would never leave us nor forsake us. I am confident in what he said, that he will be with us to the very end of the age. I am confident that his word never fails. An assurance of what we do not see. It has been so hard. It, it, I should say this. It is hard to have faith when all you do is see. When all you do is look. Because when you look at your moments, when you look at your problems, when you look at the city that has been destroyed, all you see is destruction and hopelessness, and it's never going to happen. And I think the problem is so many times we see with our eyes and not with our faith. One of my favorite movies, Searching for Bobby Fischer, I love the game of chess, and, and it's about a young boy who, who uh, played like Bobby Fischer. And he was there being trained by his teacher, this grandmaster. And, and he puts these pieces on the chessboard and he says, I want you to solve this. There's checkmate in 12 moves, solve this. And, and he sees it and he's just looking at it. And he says, I can't see. I can't see it. And, and he's looking at these pieces and the, finally the teacher says, let me help you. And he wipes the pieces off the board. And now it's just empty. But then his mind begins to go and his mind begins to see what are the pieces and the movements and all this. And he can see why. Because he stopped looking and he started to remember. He started to remember. I think the problem that we have is so many times we see, but we don't remember. We don't see with our faith being assured of what we do not see. And that's where Jeremiah is starting to, to go with this chapter 3. In verse 19 says, I will, I remember my affliction and my wandering and the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Even when Jeremiah was suffering and he was going through hardships and all he could see was the discouragement and the destruction on the chessboard, God wiped it clean and Jeremiah says, I'm going to call to mind. I'm going to remember that it's already done. You see, that's the beautiful thing about playing chess is that sometimes the person that you are playing knows they are going to lose or know they're going to win even though he doesn't look like it. You know, the people that were really good at chess, and I was never like that, but there are people that just know that I got you. No matter what you do, I got you. No matter what move you make, you are mine. And that's the confidence that we have to have. Yet I will recall. Yet I will remember. Yet I will bring back to mind, and I will have hope. We have to be people that even though we remember the pain and the moments and the discouragement and the trials and the tribulations, we have to call to mind and have hope. It's something that must happen within us. Because you, you can see what's going on. You can feel what's going on. But don't let the environment affect your faith. And call back to memory who you really hope in.
who you really put your faith in, your confidence in. Jeremiah says, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Sometimes you have to just remember that God is with you. That God is with you. That God will never leave you. He'll never abandon you. And I want to tell you this. I'm not, I'm not going to let my intellect stop my faith in God. I'm not going to let history determine my faith and confidence in God. I'm not going to let what I see and what I know interfere with what God said. Because when God says something, it will come to pass. When God speaks something, he will act upon it. And you cannot let yourself forget that. We, we, we know how life works. We know that if you want income, you got to get a job. If you, you know you want friends, you got to be friendly to people. And, you know, and so many times I go to pastor's meetings and, and you can see people always networking because you got to network, you got to network, you got to network. I'm telling you, I trust God in everything. All those things are good. You know, going to work, all those things are good. Networking, meeting people, being friends, all those things are good. And I'm not speaking bad about them. But my hope, my faith is going to be in the one who controls it all. Because he's the one who's playing the game of chess. He's the one who's playing our game of life. And he knows every move. And the Bible says that if we love him, that he will make it all work out for our good. If we love him. you got to be people who believe and call to mind and remember that your God is God. And then he goes in verse 22, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. He is speaking, understanding that everything is destroyed, and yet he knows that he is special to the Lord. That he is special to the Lord. That just like Jesus says, that you can go out and buy birds, you can go out and buy them for a couple pennies, and yet they're fed and they have all this freedom. And look at the grass, it's here today, it's gone tomorrow. And look at these sparrows, they're just, they're just little birds, but they have no cares in the world. They just fly around and eat everything they can find. And yet you are worth more than those sparrows. Sometimes we forget the value that we have in God. That God doesn't look at us as discouragement. God doesn't look at us as failures. God doesn't look at us as broken people. He sees us as the creation that he has made. He sees us and sees us with the value that he has. And this is what Jeremiah is saying. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Even though it looks like everything is falling apart. Even though it looks like we lost it all. Because he loves us so much. I am not going to be consumed by this moment. I'm not going to be destroyed by this moment. I'm not going to give up my confidence, my faith, my hope, and my love, and my, my, my discipline in seeking him because of this moment. I'm going to love him because he loves me. And then he says, for his compassion never fail. For his compassions never fail. I want you to understand that his compassion, his love, his kindness, his mercy, his undeserved favor never will fail you, ever. 
So no matter how dark the road is, no matter how much you feel the rod of God's wrath is, no matter the moment that you are in, whatever you're in, I don't care what situation you are in, His compassions, His motivation to love you will never fail. Never fail. They are new every morning. They are new every morning. God's love, His compassion, His unfailing love for us is new every morning. No matter how dark the evening gets, and no matter how dark, if you had a cloudy day on a dark night, and you had no moon out, there's no light, it is completely dark, guess what? The sun is still going to come. And Jeremiah knew that as surely as that sun rises, His love and His faithfulness and His kindness, His unfailing love for me will be there. A couple weeks ago, when my wife was gone and I was uh, home by myself, I don't do this when she's there because I don't want to wake her up, but I slept in a little and the sun was up. and, And, you know, we have those blackout curtains, you know, those curtains that make you sleep in, you know. And and so I woke up. And the first thing I did was I opened the curtain and I saw the sun rise. I saw the sun coming up. And I said, thank you, Lord, because today you remind me that your mercies are new and that your unfailing love has not failed again, has not failed today, that you are with me. Good morning. You see, we have to remind ourselves that God will never fail you. I don't care how impossible the situation is. I don't care how long it takes. I am going to hold to the fact that unless that sun doesn't rise, unless I'm raptured and already in heaven, every moment that I have here on earth, I will believe that they are new every morning. And that's why he says, great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for Him. And I believe this is the hardest part when we go through moments where it's trial and tribulation and failure and discouragement. When we go through those moments, I believe the hardest part is waiting. Waiting. To wait upon the Lord. Sometimes the Lord tells me things. I'll be praying. I say, God, I need this. God, I got to. And, you know, he'll just say, whisper to me, not yet. Not yet. He didn't say no. He didn't say it's not going to happen. He just said, wait. When I was going through, when I go through hardships, when I go through times when it just seems like everything is against me and I'm walking in the darkness rather than the light. There are times where I just cry out to God and God would just speak so softly and say, wait, wait. Waiting is a hard part because it removes the the ability and the techniques and it removes our talents. It removes us from the picture and we wait. You know, every time I'm in the kitchen cooking, whether it's my mom or my mother-in-law, they always want to help. You know, they always want to help and, um, and because they know that they can cook better than me. And so 
So when I'm in the kitchen, man, I, I just, I do my best, you know, and I put on my Chef Ramsay hat, you know, and I'm doing everything I can and serving up some homemade hamburger helper, you know, I'm doing whatever I can. And I know it's going to turn out good. Why? Because I made it. But the hardest part is when you take your hands off and you let someone else cook for you and you wait and you smell and you're waiting with anticipation. It's hard because I like to be in control. Just like when I drive, I like to drive. I like to be in control. Just like when my wife gets in the car, she likes me to drive. She likes me to be in control. You know, it's because I feel control. I'm behind the wheel. I'm cooking. I'm driving. I'm in control. But when you wait and you take your hands off of it, you feel helpless sometimes. You feel like, God, I just, God, I could be doing something. God just says, wait. The hardest part is waiting. Verse 23 says, the Lord is good to those who hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good to wait. So this morning, as I was just speaking what the Lord laid on my heart, I want you to know that I understand that there are moments it feels like we're walking through the darkness. I understand that there's moments where you feel like it, God is even against you, but those are just feelings. Don't let your environment affect your faith. Don't let your moments, your situations begin to determine your faith and your confidence in God. Put your hope in the Lord. Call to mind and remember that God is for you, that his mercies are new every morning, that his faithfulness will never leave you, that his compassions will rise up and he will rise from his throne and move on your behalf because he loves you that much just wait let God do what he's going to do and you know what the best part about waiting is the meal turns out much better than I could ever do when you wait and let God prepare the meal and you're just anticipating and hoping and knowing that when you sit at the table it's going to be good but can you wait for it Abraham had to wait 25 years before his promise. Elizabeth and Zechariah had to wait so many years for their son John to be born. Are you willing to wait and to know that God will move on your behalf? I want to pray with you this morning.